Hail and well-met adventurers, and welcome to another episode of the Sourcebook here on RiotRadio.ca. And today we are talking about the Sorcerer. This is another one of those spellcasting heavy classes. I think if most people, if they want um, someone that casts spells, more often than not they're either recommended a wizard or a sorcerer. I think more often than not it's a sorcerer. Uh, simply because sorcerers have a lot more survivability by comparison to a wizard. Um, there's a lot of really cool stuff that comes with being a wizard. They get the ability to regain a lot of their spell slots um, just through their natural ability. And the idea, the, the kind of like the core difference between a sorcerer and a wizard, because I find more often than not people don't know the difference, um, sorcerers have magic that is innate within them. They're born with it, the ability to cast spells, whereas wizards, it's a taught um, and learned craft, I should say. Um, so wizards have the ability to pick up and learn the ability to cast spells, where sorcerers are just innate and they're, they're built. Uh, they have spellcasting built into them as people. Um, so let's go over to this. So Sorcerers are a 1d6, so you're still kind of squishy, but you're more survivable than, and you have more survivability than any wizard uh, that you come across. They have no armor proficiencies. Usually as a wizard, you're, you're running around, or sorry, as a sorcerer, you're running around with no armor. You just have clothing. Um, and you are proficient with daggers, darts, slings, quarterstaffs, and light crossbow. Uh, and once again, no two proficiencies. Your saving throws are Constitution and Charisma, and those two are kind of the big thing. The reason why we put in Constitution as spellcasters, even though we have such a low spell pool, or a health pool, is so that we can um, use Concentration saves. So what a Concentration save is when you're casting a spell, it's the ability to kind of hold on to that spell. So some spells that have Concentration um, they require you to be focusing on that spell at all times. When you take a hit, you have to make a concentration check in order to keep your hold on that spell. If you fail the check, then you lose the effects of that spell and you have to either recast or to cast something else. Um, and concentration checks is a con check, so you want to have a high constitution because of it. And then, of course, you're choosing between a few skills, uh, either Arcana, Deception, Insight, Intimidation, Persuasion, or Religion, any one of those. Um, your starting equipment, if you choose not to go with just a big lump sum of gold, is a light crossbow with 20 bolts or any simple weapon, a component pouch or an arcane focus, a Dungeoneer's pack or an Explorer's pack, and then you get two daggers off the hop. So one of the big things that happens is you get a lot of spellcasting uh, as a sorcerer. Uh, this is one of those classes where instead of lately we've been talking about paladins and some other uh, spellcasting class hybrids that only go up to about the fourth or fifth level of spellcasting. Uh, sorcerers go up to the ninth level of spellcasting, so they they maximize their ability to cast spells. Um, and right off the hop, you get four cantrips that you just know, just innately at level one. Uh, your spellcasting modifier is Charisma, that's why when we're building our character we want to dump a lot into Charisma and Constitution, Charisma being the higher of the two, because it maximizes your ability to cast spells. It also maximizes the amount of um, spells that you 
with the amount of spells that you can have prepared. Um, so you um, you gain all spells uh, after the finish of a short or a long rest. Uh, sorry, not a short or a long rest, only a long rest. Um, one of the big things that the sorcerer gets is that they don't, they're not drawing their magic from like a god or a deity or another third party. No one's bestowing magic upon them. They're keeping it for themselves and they are using themselves as like a magic uh, catalyst, I guess you could say. Um, so they don't learn spells or they can't change their prepared spells after every long rest or every new dawn instead it's upon level up so once you level up and you have the ability to change your spells you can do that um, but until your next level you're stuck with the spells that you currently have prepared so if a situation calls for you to be able to um, you need some form of utility or you have uh, an enemy that is uh, immune or resistant to your damage your spell damage types uh, you can't change them. You kind of just got to work with what you got. Which provides a very interesting form of... Uh, it's very interesting and very different. Um, so, as per usual, the list of spells that you know uh, right at the beginning of the game, so starting at level 1, you know two first level spells of your choice from the spell list. Um, the amount of spell slots you have is two as well. Um, the spells known column for each spell, uh, it must be a level of uh, spell slot. And I was mistaken. Your charisma doesn't factor into the amount of spells you know or anything like that. It's all up in this table up here. Um, it tells you how many cantrips you know, how many spells that you know, so you only know two, and then it's your first level. So in for the sorcerer, your charisma only factors in your spell attack modifier and your spell save DC, which are still really huge and really uh, important in terms of when you're casting a spell. Um, your spell attack modifier is a number that you add after you make the make the roll. So. It's like if you were a martial character and you're adding your proficiency and like your strength to make an attack. This is the same thing, um, but with spells and you're adding your proficiency and your charisma. Um, the spell save DC, if you cast a spell like Burning Hands, that it's a big AOE and everything caught in the spell um, gets hit. They have to make a spell save DC or a, I believe it's deck saving throw. Um, so the number that they are trying to beat in order to save against your spell is your spell save DC, and it's 8 plus your proficiency uh, plus your charisma modifier. So if I have a charisma of 20 right off the hop, which not every DM allows for, but we'll, we'll roll with it for a bit, then your spell save DC at level 1 would be 15, because it's 8 plus 2 because you're level 1, so you have a proficiency of 2, and then plus 5, because you have a uh, charisma of 20, which is a modifier of plus 5. Okay, um, for your spellcasting focus, you can use a arcane focus um, as a spellcasting focus for your, your sorcery spells. Now, I don't think we've really talked about your spellcasting focus and what it actually is. Usually, it's something personal to you, that allows you to um, cast spells in replacement or in, in place of uh, material components. 
So what material components are is it's specific properties and specific items that you need to have in order to cast a spell. So for example, um, yeah, the fireball spell, I believe you need like a little bit of phosphorus um, in order to make the spell work. Um, but if you have a spellcasting focus, you don't need that phosphorus. It just, it, you use that as your ability to cast spells. Okay, um, you also get to choose an origin at level 3. Sorry, you get to choose an origin uh, pretty much right away. Yeah, at level 1 you choose an origin. We'll go over those in a bit. This is to replace that level 3 uh, choice of what it is that you want to be. Um, for sorcerers, you get it right away, so you get to choose what it is. Your choices are the Draconic Bloodline or the Wild Mage. And then we'll touch on Xanathars really quickly. For this episode, I really want to get into some of the spells that you can cast, just because a lot of them are really cool, and it kind of gives you some idea as to what it is your sorcerer could be able to do. Um, so we'll get into those in a little bit. Um, Font of Magic is level 2. You get a kind of like a pool of magic that you have access to in the form of sorcery points. Um, now, if you thought playing Dungeons & Dragons wasn't nerdy enough, just the words sorcery points is pretty nerdy. So you're uh, you're already, by this point, you're already neck deep in nerddom. So welcome. So uh, at the beginning, you get two sorcery points and you gain more as you reach higher levels. If you're not too sure how many sorcery points you have, you can look right over here. Uh, at this table and it tells you all the sorcery points you get basically if you really are not sure how many sorcery points you're at you have look at your character level if you're a level seven wizard then you have seven sorcery points and so on and such forth for a maximum of 20. and you can use this to regain uh spell slots uh, as well as a variety of other things, but most of the time people convert them into spell slots. So what you can do is you can expend two sorcery points into uh, create one spell slot. You can do three into two, you can do five into three, you can do six into four, or seven into a fifth level spell. But you can't go higher than fifth level spell slots in terms of recreating them. Uh, with sorcery points. Alternatively, you could do the same thing backwards. So you can go from, you can expend a first level spell slot to give yourself two more sorcery points. Um, and then a second level spell slot to three, and then a third into five, and then a fourth into six, and a fifth into seven, and so on and such forth until you're satisfied. And you can do this any number of times. Um, just announce to your DM that you're doing it so that he doesn't think you're cheating. I try to keep, um, as a player character, I try to keep communication with my DM very open. I say, I will I will stop my DM and be like, hey, I'm doing this, even if they're in the middle of telling them a story. Um, just so that they know that's what I'm doing. I'm not just pulling these numbers uh, out of nowhere, out of thin air. I, I like to keep that open communication between them. And I think that's a really important thing that you should do. Um, in your games because honestly your DM is not your enemy I know sometimes they actively try to kill you or they it seems that way but trust me they're not they're there to create a narrative for you and make it so that you're having a good time so keeping that open communication keeps your DM happy and it keeps you happy because uh, there might be an opportunity where you're being like hey DM I know this is a little dicey um, it's totally up to you whether I can or can't do this they also might just be like you know what Go ahead, you got it. You can do it. Um, so yeah, always try to keep your that line of communication with your DM open. 
Okay, level three, meta magic. Meta magic is kind of the different attributes you can apply to your spell, and this is what makes a sorcerer unique, as only sorcerers can do this. They can make it so that your magic can uh, morph and change in different ways to the point where you can make a spell uh, cast even longer than its intended range. You can make it so that spells double up on each other, so you can make two variants of that spell and hit two separate targets. Um, you can make it so that... Uh, those are just a few. You can make it so that your uh, target has disadvantage on the uh, spell save that they're trying to make in order for your spell to so give your spell a higher chance of success. There's so many different ones. There's, uh, let's see, three, six, eight, eight of them. Um, and you get a bunch of different ones at different levels. So I believe you get uh, two at the beginning, and then you gain another one at the 10th and the 17th level for a total of four. And the idea being that when you cast a spell with metamagic, um, you expend sorcery points in order to make it work. So, for example, let's go with Extend Spell. When you cast a spell that has a duration of one minute or longer, you can expend one sorcery point to double its time uh, to a maximum duration of 24 hours. So if you have that darkness spell that you're just like, you know what, I, I kind of need this to last a little bit longer than its intended use, you can expend a sorcery point and double that, which is pretty insane, and that's a long time that you could be sitting in a big dark orb where no one can see each other. But you can see everyone else, which is pretty neat. Um, so, I'll actually take your time, read through all these, because this is what makes the sorcerer very unique. So I highly recommend you, you take the time to go and look through it. Um, as per usual, level 4, we get our ASI, or Ability Score Improvement. You can take two of your Ability Scores and improve them by one, or one of them and improve it by two, so on and such forth. And pretty much that's all we get for Vanilla Sorcerer. Um, at 20th level, you can regain four extended Sorcery Points when you finish a short or a long rest. Um, which is kind of big. Actually, sorry, it's just a short rest. On a long rest, you get all of them back. Um, but that's huge because if you take short... It kind of makes it so that you can regain spell slots on a short rest if you're um, making it so that you can use them more efficiently. Um, of course, that's a 20th level, so you can only gain up to the 5th level of spellcasting, but you know, that's fine. Honestly, the 6th, 7th, 8th, and ninth level spells are so huge that you're probably saving them anyways. Okay, so we'll get into the origins, uh, and there's only two in the player's handbook, and then we'll touch on the uh, what's going on when, in Xanathar's. Xanathar's has quite a few more, such as the Divine Soul, there's um, Shadow Magic, and then Storm Sorcery. Um, so we'll get into those in just a little bit. Um, last time I played a Sorcerer, I decided I was going to be a uh, Draconic Bloodline. Uh, which is pretty neat. So basically, this is if you wanted to be a Dragonborn, but you didn't quite want to be the Dragonborn. You'll see what I mean in a second. Um, a Dragon Ancestry, you can choose one type of, or one type of Dragon as your ancestor. And you get to, you get the uh, associated benefits uh, to that damage type. So Black Dragons, are acid, blue or lightning, brass or fire, bronze or lightning, so on and such forth. There's a nice little table right here that tells you what each of them do. It's pretty handy. I believe last time I chose red, just because fire. Um, once you've chosen that that 
color dragon or that damage type as your ancestry. You can speed read and write draconic. Additionally, whenever you make a charisma check while you're interacting with dragons, your proficiency bonus is doubled as if it, uh, if it applies to the check. So if you're trying to talk to a dragon uh, and you're trying to convince it to do something, then your persuasion uh, proficiency check is doubled if you're proficient in that, which the sorcerers are kind of like the chads of the magic world, um, and they're very charismatic and they're very persuasive, they're very uh, alluring to most people, which is really cool. Okay, uh, you also gain Draconic Resilience. Draconic Resilience. Uh, as magic flows through your body, it causes physical traits of the Dragon Ancestor to merge. At the first level, your hit point maximum increases by one, making you much more resilient. Um, especially if you're making a higher level sorcerer, which is pretty great. Uh, and increases by one again when you gain a level in this class. So basically, as you continue to level up uh, as a Draconic Bloodline, you will constantly be, regain be gaining one additional hit points. Which doesn't seem like much, but when you're ninth level, that's nine additional hit points. That might save your life, just saying. Um, at sixth level, you gain elemental affinity. When you start, when you cast a spell that deals damage type associated with your draconic ancestry, add your charisma modifier to that damage. So I wanted to be a red, uh, have a red dragon as my ancestor. So fire was my affinity. Um, so all my fire spells just did that much more damage. Um, and you can spend uh, one sorcery point to gain resistance to that damage type for one hour. Uh, which is pretty big. I believe you can do that in battle as well. So if you're just like, you know what? That is a lightning elemental or a wind elemental. I would like to be resistant to that, and that just happens to be my affinity. So I'm going to do that. It's pretty cool. At 14th level, you gain dragon wings, which is super neat. Uh, you can sprout a pair of dragon wings from your back, gaining a fly speed equal to your current move speed. So if you haven't had any changes to it, then it's just 30. Uh, but a 30 fly speed is pretty big. You can create these wings as a bonus action on your turn, and they'll last until you dismiss them as a bonus action on your turn. You can't manifest your wings while wearing armor, unless the armor is made to accommodate them. Uh, and clothing not made to accommodate your wings might be destroyed when you manifest them. So that could be a really cool roleplay thing, but you got to make sure that what you're doing is, uh, if you're making yourself some armor, uh, of any kind, or if you just gain proficiency in armor, uh, then you gotta accommodate that for yourself. And that's the thing, sorcerers can be proficient with armor, you just have to actively take the time to learn how to do that, or if you multi-class into a different class that has armor proficiencies. Um, in previous editions, when spellcasting, if you were to cast a spell, and you had a... if you were wearing like full plate, for example, you had a massive penalty to your ability to cast that spell, um, it's like a minus five to whether that spell will actually hit or not. And in most cases, it didn't hit, and it was a huge penalty. But in D&D 5e, so long as you're proficient with the armor you're wearing, there's no penalty to what spell you can cast. So if you wanted to make something like a Battle Mage, um, that was a little bit more than just an Eldritch Knight, um, you could give yourself heavy, proficient, heavy armor proficiency, um, as a sorcerer and wear heavy armor and be able to cast spells like it's nothing. You can do that. Um, 
So yeah, it's definitely something that you can think about. Uh, finally, at the level 18, you gain a Draconic Presence. You can channel the dread presence of your dragon's ancestors, causing those around you to become awestruck or frightened. As an action, you can spend 5 sorcery points to draw on this power uh, and exude an aura of awe or fear, your choice. Uh, it's within a distance of 60 feet, and for one minute, you lose your concentration as if you were casting a concentration spell. Each hostile creature starts its turn uh, in your aura, must make a wisdom save, or be charmed by you for awe, or frightened by you for fear, uh, until the aura ends. Uh, a creature that succeeds on this saving throw is immune for, by your aura for 24 hours. Overall, I think this is an okay spell, or an okay ability. Um, there's a lot of charming abilities that I'm pretty sure sorcerers don't really get, so uh, it's very interesting. Okay, wild magic. <laughs> Honestly, this is probably the most fun and most uh, dangerous uh, sorcerer archetype that you can choose because of your wild magic surge. Starting at level 1, your spellcasting can unleash surges of untamed magic. Immediately after you cast a sorcerer spell of first level or higher, the DM can have you roll a d20. If you roll a 1, roll the wild magic surge table to create a random magical effect. Now, I believe that table is right here! Ha <laughs> uh, The wild magic surge table is kind of crazy. You can do all sorts of different things from having it rain blood uh, within like a 30 foot area. The ones you will never want to do or never want is if you roll a 7 or an 8 on the magic wild surge table. You can cast you cast fireballs, a third level spell centered on yourself, basically nuking yourself and anyone around you. Which is pretty insane because you can get this at level one. If you're level one and you cast fireball on yourself and your party is all around you, that's eight d six. You're not surviving. Period. Um, you will just be downed and die outright, and then you're just relying on somebody to be able to to roll a one or sorry roll a 20 on their death saves and pick themselves back up and the rest of your party before you all die um i have a funny story about that but uh you can you can uh, just come talk to me about that it's a funny story okay uh tides of chaos starting at the first level you can make manipulate the forces of chance and chaos to gain advantage on the one attack uh roll ability check or saving throw so basically you can force luck upon yourself and make it so that you are more likely to hit and be efficient with your spellcasting ability. However, if you do this, I can, if I was the DM, I can have you roll on the Mazic Surge table immediately after you use your spell of first level or higher. You then regain the use of all these features. Um, so using Tides of Chaos is kind of a risky thing, but that being said, not everything on the Wild Magic table or the Ma Wild Magic Surge uh, is bad. Like, you can just cast Levitate on yourself, um, which is pretty neat. You just gain a hover speed and you can only move so far, um, which isn't too bad. Um, your size is increased by one size category. Um, what you really want... Oh my god. What you really want is to, is uh, a 99 or a 100. And this is rolled on a d100, so it's percentile dice. Um, 
So there's a hundred different options, or fifty different options that you can get. Having one or a two, you roll on the table, on this table, the Wild Magic Surge table, at the start of each of your turns for the next minute, ignoring the results of the subsequent rolls. Um, so basically, you just get a new thing that happens. Every time. Okay, uh, Bend Luck, starting at the sixth level. You have the ability to twist fate uh, using your Wild Magic. When another creature that you can see makes an attack roll, uh, an ability check or saving throw, you can use your reaction, spend two sorcery points, and roll a d4, and apply the number rolled as a bonus or penalty. Um, you can do so after the creature rolls, but before the effect of the roll occurs. Okay? Um, at 14th level, you gain controlled chaos. Uh, you gain a modicum of control over your surges of wild magic. Whenever you roll on the wild magic table surge, you can roll twice and use either number. Um, so if you like the, if you don't like the previous effect on the roll, you can have something else, which is pretty neat. And finally, the keystone of the wild magic is spell bombardment. At the 18th level, the harmful energy of your spells intensify. Uh, when you roll damage for the spell and roll the highest number uh, possible on any of the dice, choose one of the, those dice. Roll it again and then add the roll to your damage. Alright, let's read that again because I barely followed that myself. When you roll damage for a spell and roll the highest number possible on any of the dice, choose one of those dice and roll it again and add, the roll, add that roll to the damage. You can use this feature only once per turn. So, uh, you just get additional damage. Which might sound really underwhelming, but hey, that's a free additional D whatever you're rolling. Um, which is pretty cool. Alright, and that's the spell magic search. Honestly, you can pause the video here or pause the uh, whatever you're viewing this on here. Uh, I'm not going to read through all of them, but I do recommend that you open your player's handbook to page 101. Uh, and take a look at these, because some of them are really interesting. Um... And we'll move over to Xanathar's right now, so we can take a look in the book and see what's going on with sorcerers over here. Uh, so the three different sorcerers that you can be in here, as well as the Divine Soul, the Storm Sorcerer, and the Shadow Sorcerer. Divine Soul probably being the most fun uh, of the three, from what I understand, but we'll, we'll go through it together. Okay, so, uh, starting at first level, you're favored by the gods. Divine power guards your destiny. Uh, if you fail a saving throw or miss an ability roll, or an attack roll, you can add 2d4. You can roll 2d4 and add it to the total, possibly changing the outcome. Once you use this benefit, you can't use it again after a, sh a short or a long rest. And the idea behind the Divine Soul Sorcerer is that you are chosen and a devote to a chosen god. Um, and you choose a god to follow. Um, which can help. Um, my brother Ryan, he was on the ep the fighter episode. He's playing a divine soul sorcerer, um, and he uh, his god is Sirik. Um, if you don't know who Sirik is, Sirik is the god of lies and deceit, um, basically Loki. If you want to think about it that way. So uh, my character, who is a devote of Helm, is not about that. Nobody likes Sirik. Period. None of the gods like Sirik. Um, so I discovered what his god was, he discovered what my god was, and we are constantly butting heads in-game. It's a lot of fun um, at the table, and uh, obviously we both know that at the end of the day, it, we leave it at the table. 
So it's it's really cool and it adds a, a really interesting dynamic. Um, so yeah, uh, you also gain the ability to choose uh, a couple of um, cleric spells uh, for your spellcasting. As well, you gain specific um, spells based off of your affinity. So whether you're um, lawful good, neutral evil, all sorts of stuff like that. So it's really cool that you gain some of that stuff based purely off of your alignment. So your alignment matters when you're choosing Divine Soul Sorcerer. Okay, uh, Empowered Healing. The Divine uh, Energy courses through you. You can empower your healing spells whenever you or an ally within 5 feet of you rolls dice to determine the number of hit point spells they restore. You can spend one sorcery point to re-roll any number of those dice. Uh, provided you aren't incapacitated, you can use this feature uh, only once per turn. Um, so it's a little bit more of a support ability, which is great because sorcerers don't really have any support spells. And we'll get into the spells pretty soon. Um, we'll get into a good chunk of the list, and I'll talk about the ones I know um, as we go. Okay, Otherworldly Wings. At the 14th level, as a bonus action, you can manifest a pair of spectral wings from your back. While the wings are present, you have a fly speed of 30. The wings last until you're incapacitated, you die, or you dismiss them as a bonus action. Basically the same thing as a Divine Soul Sorcerer. Sorry, the um, uh, Dragon Draconic Bloodline Sorcerer. Um, in terms of the wings, I believe you get them on the same level too. Um, but the appearance depends on if you are good or lawful, or if you're evil. Uh, if you're good, your special wings look like eagle wings. If you're evil, they look like bat wings. And if you're neutral, they look like dragonfly wings, which is pretty neat. Obviously, this isn't set in stone. You can talk to your DM if you have a specific design you want to set for your um, your winged creature, and then that's fine. All right, unearthly recovery at the AC's level. You get the ability to overcome grievous injuries. As a bonus action, when you have fewer than half your hit points remaining, you can regain the number of hit points equal to half your hit points maximum. That's insane. You can regain the number of hit points equal to half of your hit points maximum. What? And you can use that... Uh, you can't use this feature again until you finish a long rest. That's insane! I love that! Um... It's basically just like, hey, I'm going to heal 30, 40 points of healing. That's awesome. Okay, cool. Making a Divine Soul Sorcerer. But of course, that's at the 18th level. Not too many campaigns get up that high. If yours does, good luck. Use this as often as you can. Give yourself second life. That's really good. <laughs> okay, Shadow Magic. Um, so this is the Shadow Sorcerer. You gain uh, quite a few different abilities. You gain the Eyes of the Dark. Starting at the first level, you have a dark vision range of 120 feet. When you reach the third level uh, in this class, you learn the Darkness spell, which doesn't count against the number of sorcery spells that you already know. In addition, you can cast it by spending two sorcery points or by expending a spell slot, one of the two if you have a spell slot for it. Uh, if you cast it with sorcery points, you can see through the darkness created by the spell. Which is pretty neat. Strength of the Grave, starting at the first level. Your existence in the twilight state between life and death makes you difficult to defeat. When damage reduces you to zero hit points, you can make a charisma saving throw. On success, you instead drop to one hit point. 
You can't use this feature if you reduce to zero HP uh, by radiant damage or by the critical hit. Uh, after saving throws succeed, you can't use this feature again until you finish a long rest. Uh, at sixth level, you gain the Hound of Ill Omen. You gain the ability to call forth a howling creature of darkness to harass your foes. As a bonus action, you can spend three sorcery points to magically summon the Hound of Ill Omen. Uh, to target one creature, you can see within 120 feet of you, the Hound uses a direwolf statistics. Uh, if you remember, look that up in the player's handbook. Uh, the Hound size is medium, not large, That's and it's considered to be a, to be a monstrosity instead of a beast. It appears with a number of temporary hit points equal to half of your sorcery level. Uh, it can move through other creatures and pass objects as if they were difficult terrain. The Hound takes 5 force damage if it ends its turn inside an object, which might kill your Hound, because half of your hit points... Um, half of your hit points is... Uh, of 6, because you get this level 6 is 3, and that's not good. <laughs> That will kill it outright. Uh, at the start of its turn, uh, the Hound automatically knows the, the target's location. If the target was hidden, it's no longer hidden from the Hound. The Hound appears in an unoccupied space of your choice within 30 feet of the target. Roll initiative for the Hound uh, on its turn. It can move only towards its target uh, by the most direct route, and it can use this action uh, only to attack its target. The Hound can make attack up opportunity, but only against its target. Additionally, while the Hound is within 5 feet of the target, the target has disadvantage on saving throws. Uh, against any spell you cast, the Hound disappears if it's reduced to zero, uh, if its target is reduced to zero, or after 5 minutes. Lots of information there. Hound of Ill-Omen is really handy, but it's not to be confused with a uh, familiar. It doesn't act in the same way. Hound of Ill-Omen, you kind of command it to attack that target and then forget about it because it'll only go after that target until either it dies, the target dies, or after five minutes, which is pretty great. Okay, uh, Shadow Walk. At the 14th level, you gain the ability to step from one shadow into another. When you are in dim light or darkness as a bonus action, you can magically teleport up to 120 feet to an unoccupied space that you can see that also is within dim light or darkness. Pretty neat basically be a little bit more roguish. Okay, Umbral Form. Starting at the 18th level, you can spend 6 sorcery points um, as a bonus action to magically transform yourself into a shadowy form. Uh, in this form, you have resistance to all damage except force and radiant damage. Uh, and you can move uh, through other creatures and objects as if they were difficult terrain. You take 5 force damage if you end your turn inside any of these objects. You remain in this form for one minute, uh, and it ends early if you're incapacitated, if you die, or if you dismiss it as a bonus action. Basically, you get to be a shadowy puff of smoke that just kind of moves through things. Okay, and finally, Storm Sorcery. Uh, you gained the ability of Wind Speaker. Uh, the arcane magic that you command is infused with electrical air. You can speak, read, and write Primordial. Primordial is usually what is spoken by elementals. Uh, knowing this language allows you to understand and understand and be understood by those who speak dialects of Aquian, Oran, Ignan, or Terran. Um, those are all the languages of the elementals, which is pretty neat. Um, also, some sea creatures uh, understand have these dialects as well, so it's pretty cool. 
Um, Tempestuous Magic, starting at the first level, you can use a bonus action uh, on your turn to cause whirling gusts of elemental air to briefly surround you. Uh, immediately before or after you cast a spell of first level or higher, doing so allows you to fly up to 10 feet without provoking an attack of opportunity. Pretty handy. Um, anything that allows you to not provoke an attack of opportunity is pretty good. Okay, Heart of the Storm. At sixth level, you gain resistance to lightning and thunder damage. In addition, whenever you start casting a spell of first level or higher that deals lightning or thunder damage, uh, stormy magic erupts from you. The eruption causes the creatures of your choice that you can see within 10 feet to take lightning and thunder damage equal to half of your sorcerer's level. Uh, choose each time this ability activates. Oh, okay. So every time this ability activates, you get to choose new targets, so you don't need to keep... Um, it's not stuck on the targets that you choose, so it's pretty handy. Uh, at 6th level, you gain the ability to subtly control the weather around you. Uh, if it is raining, you can use... You can use... Uh, an action to cause the rain to stop falling in a 20-foot radius sphere uh, centered on you. You can end this effect as a bonus action. Uh, if it's windy, you can use a bonus action each round to choose the direction of the wind uh, blowing in a 100-foot radius. Jesus. That's pretty insane. You just get to choose... You just, just get to command the wind and the air around you. Basically, if you want to get a reference of anyone who's seen Avatar The Last Airbender, um, the episode where uh, Katara and Zuko are trying to... Well, Zuko's trying to help Katara find the man who... Uh, who uh, I think killed her mother? I believe that's the episode? Uh, anyways, there's a moment where Katara just stops all the rain from, st from falling on them and controls it in that way, which is pretty cool. Okay, Storm's Fury. Starting at the 14th level, when you are hit by a melee attack, you can use your reaction to deal lightning damage to the attacker. The damage is equal to your sorcery level. The attackers must also make a strength saving throw against your sorcerer spell save DC. On a failed save, the attacker is pushed in a straight line up to 20 feet away from you. Pretty handy. Basically, you can zap them. Okay, and then finally, the keystone. Uh, the Wind Soul. At the 18th level, you gain immunity to lightning and thunder damage. You also gain uh, a magical fly speed of 60 feet. As an action, you can reduce your flying speed to 30 feet for one hour and choose a number of creatures within 30 feet of you equal to 3 plus your charisma modifier at a maximum of 8. Um, unless you have the ability to go beyond 20, which is kind of insane. Um, the chosen creature gains a magical fly speed of 30 feet for one hour. Uh, once you reduce your fly speed in this way, you can't do so again until you finish a short or a long rest. Basically, you get to pick up your friends and we all get to fly away. Pretty handy. Okay, and that's it for all of the different archetypes that the sorcerer gets. We still got a little bit of time, so let's see if we can't go over a few of those spells. Ooh. Once again, we're using any flip. Uh, and if it allows us to go through each of these, um, each of these books digitally. Um, obviously, you can buy these books if you really want to. They're usually about $60, give or take, $60 Canadian. Um, I have all of them just because I like having that physical copy in front of me. Um, and why not? Support what you're playing. 
Uh, if you're still want to play the game and you just simply cannot afford it, that's totally fine. Um, then you can use any flip. Pretty handy. Okay, so. When you're choosing your sorcerer spells, you want to look in this area. This is telling you all the sorcerer spells that you can learn. Um, obviously, there's also a bunch in Xanathar. Some of them are really cool. An example is Ice Knife. Ice Knife allows you to make magically create a Ice Knife that you can throw. Um, and it does damage if it hits target, if it collides with terrain or anything else um it explodes in a 10 foot radius and does ice damage in that way as well i believe it's a first level spell okay so cantrips usually most people go with firebolt firebolt is a really interesting cantrip it allows you to create a small fireball in your hand it doesn't cost anything because cantrips are level zero uh so they don't cost um any material components usually and they don't cost uh spell slots and you can cast them as many times as you want this is like your default attack uh some people take shocking grasp as well uh shocking grasp is a melee spell attack that allows you to channel lightning into your target you basically become a human taser with your hands which is pretty cool um you also get mage hands really cool ability spell utility spell uh dancing lights also is really cool um, it creates globules of light, or globes of light, allow you to be able to see. It's really handy if you're a human or any other class that does not have dark vision. And yeah, there's a whole bunch of them in here that are really cool for cantrips. Um, one I always say never to take is True Strike, because True Strike is awful. Um, it's a concentration spell, and you have to wait your next turn in order to make full use of it. And by that point, you've already been hit by something, and then you're down. Eh, no, just don't. Okay, uh, first level. So, um, this is where we start getting into a lot of the spells that you'll be using often. Mage Armor, I consider to be a must-have. Um, it's a spell that increases your AC. Because you're not wearing any armor as a sorcerer, uh, your AC is usually very low. Um, so you'll get hit a lot. Um, but if you choose Mage Armor, it bumps your AC default from... Um, 10, not taking any modifiers into it, to 13. Um, and then if you have a dexterity of plus 2, then hey, your AC is 15 at that point, which is a little bit more survivable. You're still kind of squishy, um, but you can you can definitely take a little bit more of a beating, and it's a little bit harder for some things to hit you, unless your DM's really rolling really well, in which case, yikes. Okay. Um, there's also Magic Missile. Magic Missile is really good. So most spells, they require you, your opponent, to make a spell save DC or for you to make that spell attack. Uh, Magic Missile, it is guaranteed damage. It always hits, all the time. Um, even if your target is behind full cover, it will hit them, no matter what. Um, and it does, I believe it does 1d4 per bullet or per missile, and you get 3. Um, and it's 1d4 plus 1 per missile. So, it's, it's guaranteed damage. There's no reason why you shouldn't take it. And you can guide those missiles into any target you choose. You don't need to conjure all three of them at one. You can choose one for you, one for you, one for you, two for you, one for you, whatever you want to do. Um, and you get more missiles as you cast, as you upcast this spell. Upcast meaning that you can cast it as a second level, third level, fifth level, fourth level, what have you. Um, so it's really good. Uh, one of the spells that everyone kind of... I, I find a lot of people gravitate to is Chromatic Orb. 
And then everyone overlooks the material component that needs a diamond worth about 300 gold pieces. And you're like, oh, damn, right. So, and because it's got a gold value attached to the material component, it's not assumed that you have it. You have to go out and actively look for that, or be like, and have the gold in order to be able to spend it, too. So, um, Chronic Orb is great if you're first, if you're first level and you're starting out with nothing. You will not be able to cast that spell, and any DM that is paying attention will be like, "Hmm, have you read the material components of that?" And then your character will be like, "Ah, oh, no, I have not." So that being said, when you do get the material component for it, Chromatic Orb is probably one of the best first-level spells, purely for the variety. You get to choose, you get to fire a orb of whatever type you want uh, at a target, and um, you just do a massive amount of damage. I think it's like 46. It's really good. Um, so that's a really solid spell. Really great utility spell uh, is Featherfall. I, ever since one of my characters fell off a massive cliff and took a massive amount of fall damage, uh, I always advise my casters to be like please have feather fall because i don't want to die <laughs> from falling um it's it's honestly probably that's probably one of the big things that most adventurers don't take into account of so if you want to know the fall damage ruling the way that it works is for every 10 feet that you fall you take 1d6 uh bludgeoning damage for when you hit the ground now in the game that i'm playing or I'm running, um, it's called Descent to Averse. There is one location that is very, very high up. Um, 500 feet to be exact. And you can fall off. Um, so if you fall off, the damage caps out to 20d6. That being said, my characters are at, uh, they're at level 5, level 6 right now. And they're, they're, fairly hardy. They got some good amount of health. Um, but if they take... Let's say for like argument's sake, I rolled every single d20 as a... Or sorry, d6 as a6. That's 20 sixes. That's 120 damage. That's a lot. Um, anything that falls from there is pretty much assumed to be dead outright. Um... Which is pretty insane. I've had a, I've, I've played a game with uh, another one of my DMs. He was like, "Okay, uh, so you walk," and he, he's very deadpan in terms of his delivery, but that makes it all the more terrifying. I think he adds that kind of like ominous presence about him, which is really good. Shout out to Matt. Um, he he he's kind of just like, "Okay, uh, so you approach the wizard. He touches you." Uh, and you die. And we were just like, what? What do you mean we die? He cast Finger of Death uh, at the level we were at and how much health um, my character or my other, my buddy's character was at. Even the average amount of damage that would, would have been done just kills him outright. Um, so be very careful. Some of these spells are really strong. Okay, let's move on to second level spells. Uh, some of the really cool second level spells, most of the second level spells are all utility. Um... So you get stuff like Misty Step, um, Phantasmal Force, Scorching Ray is really cool. You conjure three rays of heat. They do 2d6 per ray. Um, 
and you have to unfortunately you have to make attack rolls for each individual ray but it's really cool you just you can concentrate all three of them on a target kind of like magic missile but does much more damage uh, and it's fire damage so um, the unfortunate thing is most things are resistant or immune to fire damage but eh, you know the odd one that isn't yeah you're doing a mess ton of damage okay um, you have mirror image mirror image is really cool it makes three duplicates of yourself so there's four of you total um, when someone hits an attack towards you you can roll I believe it's a percentile dice uh, to see if the target actually hits you or one of your clones um, and the, obviously the percentage goes up uh, or the chance of it hitting you goes up um, the more your clones uh, get hit so couple that with uh, with um, Mage armor, uh, and you're doing pretty well. Uh, they're really great defensive spells um, that are just kind of present and active as you go. Uh, makes things a lot easier uh, when you're getting hit with stuff. Uh, you can do uh, Cloud of Daggers, also surprisingly effective. It's an AOE spell that quite literally summons what I like to call like a hurricane of daggers. Um, Anything that ends its turn in it just takes a massive amount of damage and just starts striking and killing it, um, which is really good. Uh, you also have blindness slash deafness if you want to stop someone from um, being able to cast spells. Okay, honestly, you'd be surprised how easy it is to deal with some um, mages in a sense that you just need to kind of manipulate their ability to um, verbally cast a spell with silence or be able to see uh, a different target or get up hand gestures um, it's pretty interesting uh, there's uh, probably one of the cooler damaging spells that are there shatter uh, shatter has been a party favorite for uh, a couple for most one campaign I'm running I think I see shatter almost every single session <laughs> just because it's so good uh, i believe it's 46 damage uh it is heard up to 300 feet um just a solid aoe spell for level two okay level three all right the only spell you need at level three is fireball because 86 fire damage it's a lot of damage it's a big radius only fireball there's obviously a bunch of other stuff here that's also really good <laughs> If you want to, you know, not kill your party, purposely or accidentally, with Fireball, a damage alternative, but a lot more controlled spell is Lightning Bolt. Lightning Bolt does the same amount of damage, 86, lightning damage, but it's in a 5 foot radius line uh, forward, so it's a little bit more controlled in terms of where you want it. Uh, also, Counterspell is really good whenever you see someone casting a spell at you, a harmful spell towards you, you can counter the spell and make it so that it fails. Um, obviously, if it's a specific spell or higher, I think it's like a fourth level spell or higher, um, then you need to roll in order for it to fail or, to, or for that spell to fail. But anything third level and lower, it just spells out. It just fails out, right? And you can upcast that, so it's really good. Okay. Um, bum, 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 bum. Um, your image is also really good. Uh, sorry, major image. What am I reading? Um, Gaseous Form has some really cool and really interesting um, utility that you can add. Fly. You can, just, you can give yourself a fly speed. Pretty handy. 
Um, also, these spells also work with your meta magic, so you can twin the fly spell, put it on yourself and your buddy, and boom, you're flying. Both of you, because you twinned it, which is really neat. Um, okay, moving on, fourth level. Uh, some of the really cool stuff, polymorph, polymorph is really cool. Uh, you can turn a massive ogre into a ladybug if you wanted to. It's got to fail a, I believe it's a charisma saving throw, not 100% on that. Um, another one of the spells that's really scary is banishment. Uh, that's another one that makes you have to make a charisma saving throw. Um, uh, if you get banished, you're usually banished to another plane, uh, and you can kind of consider your game over. Um, it doesn't kill you, but it's really hard to get back without a planar shift spell. Someone could, in theory, send you to Mount Celestia, the very top of Mount Celestia, and just drop you off and kill you. Or they could just keep you there and you get to play with all the interesting gods that are up there. Um, most of them will kill you because they don't want you there. So yeah, uh, Banishment's a very scary spell. I had, I played a one-shot where my brother was DMing, um, and he has, he had me make a charisma saving throw, and I was like, oh, I'm a warlock, it's not a big deal. We'll talk about warlocks later, but they're also charisma-based, uh, spellcaster. With some unique twists, probably the most, the more, uh, um, customizable classes. But anyways... Um, and he's like, cool, you saved against the banishment spell. And I swear my jaw dropped because I was like, oh, that was a big save. Because if I failed that, I was gone. I was out of the fight, period. And I had no plan to get back. So yeah, um, obviously we only went up to level four in terms of um, some of the spells. Highly recommend you look through all of these. Um, if you have some time, sorcerers can learn the wish spell. Take a look at wish. It's a fun spell. Uh, and that's it. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you guys next week. Or we're going to be talking about... I believe we're starting to get into the rest of the spellcasters. Um, because we're going to talk about either the wizard, the warlock. I believe the warlock is next. So we'll talk about the warlock next week. And then finally with the wizard, I can try and get a guest. There's a guest I have in mind. Um, I just got to reach out to him and see if he wants to join in. Okay, then that's it. We'll take care. We'll see you next week. And uh, party hard.